now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hey, people. All right, this is Morgan Harper Nichols. Grateful from where I stand. Hey, Aaron. How you doing, my friend? Mm-hmm. Can you turn my headset a little? Much more than I deserve. Amen, right? This song's called Grateful. I love this song. Mm-hmm. I want to be grateful. Book of Jude, where well, Randall's gonna start the book of Jude. Mm-hmm. I can't believe people gave this song a down, a thumb, thumbs down on YouTube. Seriously, there's always somebody who's a curmudgeon. song. Did you know Scooby-Doo stamps existed? watching me isn't it super exciting isn't it You are in you. 
I like this song. Yeah, I do. There we go, people. There we go. All right. It is Sunday night. Didn't know if you know that or not. You probably did, depending on where you're at. Because most of you are super smart. There's a couple of you who are, eh, not quite that smart, but... Some of you might have been tuning in at a different time, like on a different day. Don't worry, I know how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, I do. All right, people. So, tonight is Sunday. Yeah, it is. And um, tonight we're going to get into the book of Jude. In case you didn't know, this this is one of the coolest books in the Bible, in my opinion. I remember uh, when I heard Chuck Missler a number of years ago teach through this book. It changed my whole view. Well, it didn't change my whole view. It gave me a greater understanding of the end times. The book of Jude is like 25 verses, but it can take you six months to get through this book easy uh, because it's it's so packed with end times theological uh, stuff because it actually is like, it's really in a sense the history of the Old Testament and a prediction of what's happening in the New Testament. So it's a really good book. I am going to be teaching this book on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. If you're interested in joining me for that study, make sure you get in touch with me somehow and um, get in touch with me. I will add you to my email list. Um, and um, this, this uh, there will not be a replay of the Bible study. So if you're going to come, you need to come to it live um, and uh, and all that. But in the meantime, we thought or I don't know if we, we, or it was a collective we, I don't know, I can't remember, but uh, Bareface and me thought that it would be fun to start teaching this book on Sunday night as well. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor, Connie Summy, who is super awesome. She's sponsored our show this month, uh, which I'm very th grateful for, and I hope you guys have taken the time to go to her website, ConnieSummy.com, that's C-O-N-N-I-E-S-U-M-M-E-Y, Com, and let's hear from Connie now. Hello, everyone. I'm Connie Semi. I'm an independent consultant with Arbonne International. Just wanted to take a minute to share with you about our amazing products. We have vegan certified shakes. Our skincare is really clean, and so is our makeup. We also have non-toxic products for your babies. So check out my website, ConnieSemi.com, for more information and how to get a hold of me. That's ConnieSummy.com, people. C-O-N-N-I-E-S-U-M-M-E-Y. ConnieSummy.com. Check out Arbonne. Um, they have uh, skincare, they have nutrition products, and they have stuff like that that, that you could check out. Uh, Connie is a believer, and um, it's always good to give money back into the household of God wherever you're at. Uh, also, hey, if you want to donate to Bible News Radio, you can do that too by going over to uh, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. You can donate with your credit card or PayPal. Uh, I also do have a Venmo account. If you want to use Venmo too, you'll just let me know. And if you watch the ticker down there, we have a couple of different places that you can also support our show without actually giving money directly to us. If you shop in our Amazon store, we get a kind of a, you know, couple cents literally <laughs> from that. So if you watch that, uh, you can do that. Um, and don't forget to join my text message 
list. My text message list is really where I communicate with everybody uh, the most. So you can text Bible News to 33222. Again, that's Bible News. It's one word together to 33222. Uh, or if you don't know how to do that, you can just message me and I can add your phone number to the list. Uh, the other thing um, I want to let you know is this week, we are in our Daily Disciples group. We are going to read two books this week. These are very short books. This week, we're going to read Second John and Third John. Yeah, we are. I, it should not take that long at all. Uh, I will be going into my Daily Disciples Facebook group. Uh, if you want to join that group, go to Facebook dot com forward slash groups forward slash bible news radio again that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash bible news radio or just look for daily disciples you can search in groups for daily disciples ask to join i actually do a couple of videos a week in there sometimes i try to do one every day or at least update in there once a day with um you know some thoughts on what we're doing and just a reminder you know um, and, and I'm really passionate about this. And this is why, um, you know, Heart Tug uh, International was developed is because, you know, I believe that you could transform a heart one verse at a time. And that's, you know, my passion is to get you into God's word. You know, the research shows that if you read the Bible four times a week or more, uh, you are going to be morally more pure. You're going to be you're you're going to be having evidence fruit of fruit in your life, <laughs> being a real believer. Three times or less, however, the research actually shows and it suggests that you're no different than an unbeliever, right? Which boy, that's that's harsh. And yet at the same time, if you're a follower of Christ. You know, people, people will go, well, I want to, I want a word from God. I actually was watching uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs this morning and he was kind of being mockery actually in a sense, but he was holding the Bible. He's like, I want a word from God. I want a word from God. Everybody's trying to prophesy a word from God, but they're not opening the, the Bible up. There are 66 books in the Bible, you guys, 66 books. And I don't know about you, but I don't have those books memorized yet. I have... <laughs> I could, well, I can, I can probably tell you what's a theme, at least in all books, but, but do I have all stories memorized? No. In fact, um, this week I started, um, on YouTube, a, uh, it's called a 30 day Bible shred, which basically means that I'm trying to read the Bible in one month, which is, and, and I can already tell you I'm far behind, <laughs> but what I can tell you is I've read almost all of Genesis in one week. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to try to try to do the Bible shred. <laughs> I think 90 days is reasonable. I think it's more, uh, you know, to read the Bible in 90 days, I think is pretty reasonable and still have a life and not read the Bible every moment of the day. I think, <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is that, um, uh, Jack, Pastor Jack, um, at one point he had his Bible and he's like, you need to put your face in the book, that's the Facebook that you need to be dealing with. So, uh, yeah, so that's the challenge, right? It's a challenge to be a believer because, you know, we get tempted by all these things from everywhere and I'm totally guilty of it. I mean, I, ha I run a business, I run two businesses actually, 
and um, you know, in trying to have a, a life and trying to play pickleball, you know, that's important. Uh, you know, trying to just have, you know, do a life. It's, it can be challenging to stay in God's word. It's a challenge, but we're supposed to be in the world, not of it. We're supposed to not look like the world. And unfortunately, um, many believers look like the world. You would never know that they're believers. Uh, and I will say this, and I'm not going to apologize for it, because um, <laughs> don't mean to step on any toes either, and I'm not judging you. But what I will say is that when you have a ton of believers who are constantly drinking alcohol everywhere, how does that make you stand out and look different? You know what I mean? I mean, it's okay to drink, but I am surprised. I guess this is the biggest thing in Tennessee. I'm surprised at the number of Christians I know who drink all the time. I'm not saying they're alcoholic. I'm just, it's like, I don't get it. That's just me. And I definitely stand out with my friends and they all know it. It's like, well, you don't drink. Yeah, you're right. I don't. Because <laughs> if I did, I'd crash. I'd fall asleep. Yeah, I wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> Plus alcoholism runs in my family. So I ain't going down that route. Anyway, um, let me say hi to a couple people. So rum, rum and Coke. Okay, very funny, right? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, okay, wait, hold on. I didn't see all the stuff you were saying, Aaron. Okay, wait. I am going to read this. Okay, Aaron is giving me hearts and laughing and smiling. It's good. I'm going to read it again. Oh, are you talking about the book of Jude? I quit drinking after 25 years on day four of being sober. I woke up to grunting. I don't know what that means. I turned around and a face manifested. Ooh, that's not good. And Mr. Anderson, thank you for joining. I haven't seen you in a while. Oops. Rob, haven't seen you in a while. A demon. Yeah, well, I believe there can be demonic oppression there for sure. Um, I do believe the Bible does say you can drink wine, have it settle your stomach and all that. But you know, I don't know. I've been really contemplating the idea of holiness lately. But anyway, all I have to say that I'm glad you're here. Let's get into the word. Um, you know, Chuck Missler calls the book of Jude the Acts of the Apostates. You know, we have the Acts of the Apostles, which uh, is, um, you know, about the Acts of the Apostles, the birthing of the church, the early church. Uh, and now here we have the Acts of the Apostates, which is going to be um, a really good beginning to looking at what happens in the end of days, which I wholeheartedly believe we're in. What do you think, Bareface? Uh, what... <laughs> were you listening to me at all? Yeah, I was, but you said several things. Which one do you want me to or... add my commentary on? Well, I was specifically thinking about Jude, but you okay. can add your commentary about alcohol, too, if you'd like. I don't care. Oh, well, yeah. You know, to... Uh... You know, James tells us whatever is not from faith is sin. And uh, so if, if you can do it in good conscience before the Lord, I know in some, you know, in the Lutheran church, you know, beer drinking is a big thing, especially, well, because in Germany it's, it's a common thing and not to get drunk, it's just whatever. So I think in the spirit of Christian liberty of Romans chapter 14, Yes. We need to not use our liberty as a something basically will make someone stumble. But we need to do so wisely. If if we're if we think we're gonna be placed where you think it's gonna harm our witness 
don't do it. And I feel like most places... I think it would harm my witness if I did it. Yeah, I, I think most places in a, in a public setting, you know, with people uh, know or don't know, especially don't know, it w- would hurt the, my witness for Christ. And so I'm yeah. not going to do it. I think given what I do, I think it would. And although, you know, it's interesting because, um, again, I'm just surprised. I'm, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just seriously surprised because in California, I didn't know really any believers that drank. But in Tennessee, I just know a ton that do. And it's just kind of surprising to me. Yeah. Now, you and I have sipped some wine with my parents at dinner. Mm-hmm. True. Um, and, you know, that's, yeah, it's not, it's certainly well, not to get drunk and not, what wasn't going to hurt our witness. They know where we stand. We know where they stood, etc. So. So we, we went out to Jennifer's birthday the other day. You remember? Yeah. You remember that big drink that, that was ordered? It was, it was. It yeah. Was, you remember the name of it? I clueless i don't know either i forgot what it was but i but i took a little teeny weeny sip of it and i hated it it was like ugh. but anyway it's just me yeah but anyway let's talk about jude by the way let's hey jonathan it. and uh aaron anybody if you guys want to share out i don't know um if anybody is on facebook but i'll check it out let's see here um i show one person okay but I can watch comments there. Okay. I was watching on Periscope, but uh, it was really sucking the Your man, I, CPU I have it. of the... Yeah. I have it on Periscope. Yeah, so, so if you can continue to watch comments there, I know sometimes I when I've got my notes up and the scripture up, it's difficult for me to look at. I will, Mr. Harp. All right, so uh, should we go through this together then? Sure. Sure. All right, well, I was hoping, you know, I, I set apart six verses. I thought, well, maybe we can do six. But as I got through studying, it's like, no, be lucky to get through four. <laughs> right. Some of the, like, even though verse one, we could, you know, really dissect and whatnot. I'm kind of going to go over it somewhat cursory. But if you want to add something more, that's fine. I, you know, I can barely hear myself. You want me to turn you? Up? Oh, wow. That, that'd be good. Turn. Yeah, that's, that's, that that's, that's a lot better. Okay. Is there so, a reason you need the headset on? Because we're not playing anything through the computer. True, but it, it lets me know what's going out since I'm engineering this broadcast. I want to make sure that. Spoken like a true engineer. Um, I don't know what's eating up the CPU here. Um. <laughs> So put a one in the chat box. Um, if you have actually studied the book of Jude before, I know Randall and I, we did. If you've uh, been watching our show for any length of time, we studied this book like five or six years ago on air. Um, and I'm just curious if you have actually studied this book or maybe if it's your first time studying the book. Um, this is a great book. One of my favorite books of all time. Read. Okay, Aaron says read but not studied. And I mean, I get more out of it this time than any other time. Well, hopefully, but, everybody yeah. will get something out of it. Yeah, but stuff. All right. Well, you want me to read, and you can. Well, you can teach. I want to pray. Okay. And um, 
Now that because, I have glasses, I can actually read that with yeah. no problem. So my challenge with these glasses is the light because all of a sudden my glasses will get dark because they have transition dark dark lenses in them. So all of a sudden, I bet you if I put a flashlight on it right now, they would go dark. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so yeah, just gonna take it. I was thinking reading verses one through four and then taking it verse by verse. Uh, but let us pray. Father God, you are an awesome God, worthy of every glory, honor, power, blessing, praise, etc. Lord, um, all things exist because of you, and you give uh, every good and perfect gift to your children as a father of lights. And we recognize that this, your word, is among those uh, very precious gifts. And we uh, come with reverence and expectation of the things that you will have for us. Um, God, speak in this time. Open our eyes. Open open the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of understanding. Give us ears to hear and spirits that are sensitive to your spirit that we might receive all that you have for us. We offer ourselves in this time to you to use as you will for our good, your glory. We ask in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. All right, I've got the living, or the not the living, the Tree of Life version up here because I've I've been reading that lately, and I like sort of the since this is a book written by Jewish authors, not just the Book of Jude, but the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how it preserves some of that um, Jewish flavor, and it's a pretty good translation. So anyway, Book of Jude. You, uh, do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Uh, if you would, verses 1 through 4. All right, verses 1 through 4, people. Judah, a slave of Yeshua, the Messiah and brother of Jacob, to those who are called, who are loved in God the Father and kept safe for Yeshua the Messiah, may mercy and shalom and love be multiplied to you. Loved ones, Though very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you urging you to continue to contend for the faith that was once for all handed down to the Kedoshim, a.k.a. Kedoshim, the saints, yes. For certain people have secretly slipped in, those, those who from long ago have been marked out for this judgment. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into indecency, Okay, you switched the thing, so now i got to go find it on the other Sorry. side. And deny our only Master and Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. There we go. There you go. Well, I have to queue up the next shot. Which okay. Is us. The next shot was you. Yeah, it was. Well, it was us. It's us. Yeah. So, uh, verse 1 in typical letter writing of the day, and we even have it in our emails today because we have a from and a to line. It helps to know who is writing this letter. Um, it's been that way for centuries. And so the writer introduced himself. He says, uh, Judah or Jude, Yehuda, you know, the Hebrew name. Um, a very common name uh, in the first century, especially. Um, in fact, you know, the, the movie Ben-Hur, based on the book Ben-Hur, it's his name is Judah Ben Hur. He's Judah, the son of Hur. Uh, so 
common name. And so rather than just leave it that, Judah, he's a, he's a slave or, you know, a bond servant of, of Yeshua, the Messiah. And so he's, he's a believer and his, he identifies himself as a servant of the Messiah. But still, I mean, there are lots of, there were other Judas or Judas as, you know, the, there are a couple of apostles named Judas that's the Greek transliteration of the name. And so he further identifies himself as the brother of Yaakov or brother of Jacob or brother of James, it may say in your English translation. And uh, the conventional understanding is because he identifies himself as that, not just any Judah who's a brother of Jacob and all of, you know, but the Jacob that they're familiar with. And so what Jacob would they be familiar with in the church, but a leader in the church, that James, who was who we consider the, the half-brother of Jesus, according to the flesh. And um, and so this this Judah... Sorry. I'm, I'm cleaning off my desk as Randall's talking, but I am paying attention. Okay. Just so you know, I will try my best to be still. So this... Pay attention. So sort of the conventional wisdom for many decades and even centuries, um, yeah, centuries, is that this um, Judah is who we consider the, the half-brother, according to the flesh, of Yeshua, of Jesus. It's kind of noisy, just so you know. Sorry. <laughs> um, My bad. So, but notice he doesn't identify himself as the half-brother of Jesus, but the slave of Jesus, the slave of Yeshua, the bondservant of Yeshua. Uh, you know, rather than put forth the status like, oh, I'm related to, I'm related to Jesus, you know, through the earthly family because I'm from the same mother, um, different father, of course, because the father of Yeshua is, doesn't have an earthly father. Um, but he says, uh, so So that's kind of significant. That if in fact it was the Judah, Judas, Jude, uh, Yehuda, that was the half-brother of Jesus, he doesn't identify himself with that sort of status, but, but a slave to Jesus. And so... That's who it's from. Who is this letter to? This letter is to... The letter is to... Uh, to those who are called. Who are loved in God the Father. And kept safe for Yeshua the Messiah. Um, this isn't a letter to all believers everywhere. This is not uh, a letter to... Uh, anyone naming the name of Christ. Uh, it's not a, to every member of you know, a congregation, not just every self-professing Christian, but it's to those who are called. So, called in what way? And I am reminded of the Gospel of John. Uh, Stace and I refer to it often when somebody says that refers to all of humanity as children of God. It's like, no, all of humanity are creations of God, but the only way to be, become a child of God is through adoption 
into the family of God. Um, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. And verse 13, very important, important, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That is, that being a child of God, being in God's family, uh, it, it comes through receiving Messiah, comes receiving him, and believing in him. That's how believing and receiving, that's how one becomes a child of God. It's not something you're born, you're not born a Christian. It's not because you're born in a particular country or born to a particular family. It's not not born of blood, those who were born not of blood. It's not some sort of thing that can be passed on through lineage, nor the will of the flesh. You can't just simply decide to be a believer and I said so, therefore it is. Nor the will of man. It's not something that someone can confer upon you. Uh, because you went through these classes at a particular, you know, in a particular denomination or congregation, or because you got a certificate, or because you were baptized, or because, you know, it's not something that can be conferred upon you. Uh, being a child of God is not something you're born into. It's not something that you yourself alone initiate and decide, nor is it something that someone confers upon you. Is by the will of God or being born of God. Um, and so I think of that came to mind looking at Jude when he says, this letter is to those who are called. It's not, it's not those who just name themselves or decided to associate themselves with a congregation or with Christians, but one who were called into the faith. They were born of God. Not born of blood, nor the will, you know, will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Uh, who are loved in God the Father. Those who are called, who are loved in God the Father. I think of John chapter 14. Uh, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's John chapter 14, verse 23. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So, Jude, Judah here, is writing to those who are called, that is, they're born of God, they're loved in God the Father, they're ones that keep the words of Messiah, of Christ, of Jesus, of the God who who God his and Messiah made himself home in them, and they're kept safe for Yeshua the Messiah. Uh, Jesus said, you know, "Whoever comes to me, by no ways, by no means, will be cast out," and uh, said that no one can pluck them uh, from my hand, uh, you know, snatch them away. That one, once someone is born of God, genuinely in the faith, they are kept for Yeshua the Messiah. They're kept for a future day when there is a, a wedding feast, um, uh, when the church prepared for the bridegroom, the Messiah, uh, will come to him. Um, 
in 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 the new Jerusalem in the heavenly city. So, so this letter to those who are called, who are loved in God the Father, and are kept for uh, Yeshua the Messiah. In short, real children of God, believers, uh, the people who have placed their faith in in Messiah. Yeshua, who have received and believed. Um, so verse 2, he says, um, May grace and shalom, uh, or mercy and shalom, and love be multiplied to you. Uh, you are these ones. You're the called. You're the loved. You're the ones kept safe. So mercy. Um, mercy, not getting what we deserve. Peace. And love be multiplied to you. Um, verse 3, he says, Loved ones, uh, though very eager to write you about our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you, urging you to continue to, confend, to contend for the faith that was once for all handed down to the Kedushim or, or to the saints. So, in other words, he says, Dearly beloved, I'd love to write to you. I would love to write to you about our common salvation. That is, that is the the fellowship that we have in Messiah. Uh, I'd love, I'd love to love to write to you about how great it is to be part of the family of God through our faith in Messiah. You know, our common salvation, salvation, salvation being having been saved from the penalty of sin. That we're, we're being saved. From the power of sin, and one day we will be saved from the very presence of sin. This is very exciting stuff, and that you know, this common bond that we have, our common faith. I would love to write to you. I, I'm eager to write to you and, and and enjoy that fellowship that we have and explore that a little more. But there's something more urgent. There's something that's very pressing. I felt it necessary to write you, urging you. So what is this? What is this thing? Um, this urgent matter. I have this urgent matter of exhortation and encouragement that's more important right now. And what is that? He says that you continue to contend for the faith, or English translation. Your translation might say earnestly contend for the faith. Uh, whether it's continue contend or earnestly contend. It's one word in the Greek, and that word is uh, epagonistai. Uh, comes from two words, a prefix epi, which means upon or superimposed, and agonizomai, which we get our English word agony from. It's, uh, it means a struggle or a or a, a suffering or an exerted physical effort. And so, so, epi agonesthai is is a superimposed struggle, a, an extra effort struggle, um, and the word picture is one of a professional athletic competition. It's not something you do on the weekends, you know, it's not, it's not a weekend more. It's not, it's not part-time. It's not a part-time practice. The picture is that professional full-time athlete, um, and that has to stay on top of their A game. 
uh, through discipline and practice. So earnestly contend, continue contend with the effort, the discipline and practice that a professional athlete has in their craft. This is how you are to contend um, this extra struggle, this um, the superimposed uh, struggle. So what does he say that they are to contend for? I want you to contend. I want you to earnestly, uh, continually, uh, through discipline and practice, contend. Contend for what? He says, he says I want you to contend for the faith. Uh, the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. Um, so the the idea of once in the Greek, uh, the Koine Greek is is conclusively, as as the Tree of Life says, once for all. It was it was once for all, one time conclusively. There is one faith, one hope, one baptism. This one faith was delivered conclusively to the saints, handed down through uh, the saints. It, it's not one that was transmitted through various revisions. Well, here's, you know, here's here's the faith, you know, 1.1, 1. 1, 1.2, and or, or it wasn't handed down through progressive revelation. Oh, now we understand more. Ooh, here's the latest thing. Here's the latest revelation for God. No, with the the faith contend for the faith that was once, it was once conclusively delivered through the saints. I think of Paul writing to the Corinthian believers in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 3 and 4. Uh, Paul writes, For I delivered to you in the first place what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the third day, according to the Scriptures. And if you're familiar with that passage, the, the sort of the meter that's in that, it's like a long-established um, proclamation of the gospel. And Paul says, I delivered to you what I also received. That there is this once-for-all statement of faith, if you will, that, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures that prophesied in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised the third day, according to the scriptures, once again. And I'm fond of pointing out in Luke 24 how Jesus rebukes the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he also later rebukes uh, the apostles in the upper room for their ignorance of the scriptures. How if they'd known, they were familiar with the Old Testament, they wouldn't have been surprised about his death, his burial, and his resurrection, because it's all there. And... They wouldn't have been undone about that. Um, so this faith, once for all, this conclusive faith, this one faith, not by progressive revelation, not by, you know, in revisions, it came down once, Paul, hey, I delivered what I also received. And here it is, plain and simple. And uh Paul writing to the Galatians. Uh, 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 if you're familiar with Galatians, there were these Judaizers that came in. They were basically um, 
practitioners practitioners of practitioners there's the word <laughs> of pharisaical judaism not not biblical judaism but pharisaical judaism and um and they were basically perverting the gospel among these folks in galatia and and paul writes to them and he says i wonder in galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9 says i wondered that you were so quickly turning back from the one having called you by grace or by the grace of christ to another gospel which is not another only there were some troubling you even determined to pervert the gospel of christ but even if we even if we or an angel out of heaven should preach a gospel to you beside that gospel we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone preaches a gospel beside what you received, let him be accursed. So this, this faith, contend for the faith that was once delivered through the saints, conclusively, uh, Again, even Paul himself, he's saying, hey, if we come back along the apostles and we say, hey, we've got a new revelation, we were wrong about that, we should be accursed, we should be cut off, we should be condemned to hell. Because if something happens, we lose our minds, don't, don't accept anything but the gospel which was first delivered to you. Um even if an angel from heaven comes with some other gospel and there's not another, then let, let that angel be accursed. That what was once delivered conclusively, once for all, that's, that's what stands. Uh, don't let anyone tell you differently. Even us, if we come around and say, hey, we changed your mind. says, so don't, you know, cut us off. Get rid of us. Because there is the one gospel this is i received uh, delivered to you christ died according died for our sins according to the scripture he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures don't anybody let, don't let, don't let anybody tell you otherwise so all right why does where am i John, why does jude write here and say to contend earnestly, to have to practice discipline and to the best of your skills, be on your A game, contend for the faith, this faith once for all uh, delivered uh, to all the saints. He says, verse 4, For certain people have secretly slipped in. That's, that's why I want you to be on your A-game when it comes to the faith. I want you to be disciplined. I want you to have that superimposed struggle, just like the professional athlete that prepares for their sport, whatever it is. I want you to, I want you to know the gospel. I want you to know the faith. I want you to have it down. Why? Because certain people have secretly slipped in. And from the Garden of Eden until now, the enemies of God and the enemies of the gospel are most effective in their nefarious goal of deposing God and destroying the gospel, not with a full-on frontal assault, but with subtle and incremental activity. 
get that. That the enemies of God, when it comes to deposing God or destroying the gospel, they're most effective when they're subtle and incremental about it. Not a full-on assault. I mean, the naked people can march down, you know, Main Street, you know, with their rainbow flags and all that. Uh, you know, the people can have their signs that say God is dead or whatever, and it's going to be what it is. And, and that's it's a danger to the morals of society, but it's not a danger to the gospel. It's not a danger to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That that real danger is those who have secretly kept in, crept in, who come in on the inside and uh, subtly start to change things. Going back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle. The Hebrew word there is harum. Not like, go get a room, but it sounds like that. A room, which means, which means crafty or cunning. You know, the servant was more subtle. He wasn't, he wasn't in your face. He was crafty and cunning. More, more subtle than any beast of the field, which God, the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, didn't God say that they couldn't eat of every tree in the garden? Well, yeah, God said you could eat of every tree of garden except one. Well, isn't that the same as saying you shall not eat of every, every tree of the garden? Mm, sort of, kind of. It's kind of lost the context. And you see, even there, he was subtle, he was crafty. He's taking something, a mostly truth that God had said, and from there, just a little tweak on it, and then you can watch the progression as... As the serpent eventually says, well, you won't die. God's not telling you the truth. He's withholding from you what would serve you better. But it started with a little, well, that's kind of what he said. And that's, I mean, from the beginning. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 and 25. He presented them to a parable saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. That's the way Messiah, that's the way Jesus said, that's the way the kingdom of heaven is. There's a man who goes, you know, sowed good seed in the field. But while men were sleeping, someone snuck in and sowed some weeds among the wheat. And Darnell in the Greek, the idea is they look similar as they're sprouting up. And it's not until it's harvest time, they're fully grown, that you can know, um, you know, which are the weeds and which are the wheat, which, which are the tares, the tares and the wheat. Uh, it's a very descriptive parable, but the idea is there again. Um, it's, it's a subtle incursion. Uh, going back to Galatians, uh, Paul recognizing these folks that came in and were you know, when he said, hey, if, if, if we come back or an angel from heaven comes preaching some of the gospel, and there's not another, but if they do, you know, uh, let them be a curse. He's, Paul writing the Galatians there, chapter 2, verse 4, says, but it was because of those false brothers stealing in, who stole in to spy out, to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, 
they desiring to slave us. They didn't come with this, hey, what you're believing is totally wrong. Here's here's the replacement. No, they they stole in. They you know they crept in, spying out of freedom, desiring to enslave us, and they did so subtly. Um, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians, he's encouraging them. Chapter four, verse fourteen. Chapter 4, verse 14, so that we may no longer be infants being blown and carried about by every wind of doctrine in the slight of men and the craftiness of the deceit of error. It's not like big old doctrine comes along and blows people away. It's not hurricane force of wind. It's this craftiness. It's this deceit of error. One more. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people. And he's talking about Peter giving this kind of background that back in that time there were false prophets that arose. Old Testament times. He says, just as there will also be false teachers among you, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They will even deny the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. But again, they bring they secretly bring in destructive heresies. They don't, you know, put up posters and say this is the new thing. <laughs> you know, this is this is the new this is the new way of doing things, and we need to just jettison this old thing. They're crafty about it. And just now I was thinking about um um Acts chapter 20 I think you know Paul calls for the um the leaders of the Ephesian church they meet him on the on the Miletus shore and he says this is the last time you're going to see me yada 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 but he tells them hey there's going to peep there're going to be some folks creeping in secretly and they're going to and they're going to give rise, they're going to rise up and, and give these destructive heresies and lead people away. And and at the end of all this, they were grieved that they weren't going to see Paul anymore. <laughs> Those are the words they focused on. And they grieved, you know, his words that, that they weren't going to see him again. And his, his more important thing was telling them, hey, there's wolves coming, basically. Wolves in sheep's clothing. So similarly, similarly, I can speak, really I can. Jude's saying here, um, people, <laughs> listen to me. Hey, I'd love to, you know, talk about our common salvation. You know, fellowship, that's great. There's things we can do, we can grow in our faith, things like that, things I could write to you that, you know, would strengthen our faith. But but right now, I think it's necessary. I've felt it necessary to write to you, urging you. There's this more pressing matter that you continue to, to contend. You earnestly contend for the faith. You you have this down like the well-trained athlete. You You know the faith that was once conclusively, once for all, the one, the only, one faith, one hope, one baptism. That faith, the one gospel, which there's not another, you you be strong in that, disciplined daily in that, because 
there are certain people who have secretly slipped in. They're coming in. They have slept. They have. They have slipped in. They continue to slip in. Um, they're. They're. Uh, where am I? I'm over here. Um, they've secretly slipped in. Uh, to um, start to undermine, to dismantle um, the things of God, the, the Lordship, God, and, and the Gospel, to depose God and to destroy the Gospel. But they've crept in. And so you need to, before it gets into a full-blown departure from the Gospel, when it, before it gets into some unbiblical um way of you know religion you need to be you need to be on your a game when it comes to the faith the gospel so does things start to go off track to when someone starts to say something that doesn't line up with scripture you're ready to call it out for what it is and and you know, from such turn away, or even you know, better yet, turn them away, disfellowship them, those unbelievers, out of the congregation. I have a comment now. Okay, great. I actually have a lot of comments, but uh, believe it or not, I was listening, people. Yeah, mm -hmm. go for it. I did not leave. No, I no, didn't. She did not. Okay, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up is. And this is how barefaced and me, we teach different is, okay, so it's one thing to say that, you know, to point out that people have crept in and blah, 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 blah. But how do you answer people? I, I got an idea. But how do you answer people when certain people begin to point out, well, so-and-so is a false teacher, you know? Um, you know, because we have friends in our audience that have been in, you know, I'd say false religions, if you will, um, that learned the hard way, unfortunately, that they were in a mind control type group. Um, and then we have other people who are afraid to, or they don't know how to study the Bible. So Randall address that. How do you, how do you go about doing that without being sensationalistic but being loving when people are intimidated of the word of God to, to look in it and yet at the same time show the error so that you're not coming off as being judgmental and condemning when you're pointing out a false teacher. Well, uh, it, it, at the top, and I mean at the top in terms of hierarchy, hierarchy of responsibility, not privilege or prestige or, you know, position, but just responsibility, the shepherds of the flock, just like in a real flock with sheep, the shepherd is responsible for the welfare of that sheep and to beat up the wolves that come in. And the, the shepherd of a flock, the shepherd of a congregation, of we are the sheep of his hand, uh, Psalm 5 tells us believers, Psalm 95, I, I don't know, maybe both. Anyway. Uh, anyway, there's several passages that refer to 
God's <sighs> people is a sheep. Anyway, top responsibility belongs to the shepherd, the, yeah. the, the pastors of a congregation. When when they get any word of any unbiblical stuff going on, it's their responsibility for the welfare of the sheep to to nip that in the bud, as it were. Of course, in some congregations, it's 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 the pastors, it's the leaders, it's the shepherds who are off. Right. Um, but you and, know, a lot of pastors won't even address this issue. That's what I'm uh, talking about. Yeah. And. Well, we need to do so in love. Let's. <laughs> how do we do things biblically? Biblically. How do we? How do we confront unbiblical things? Biblically. Um, let me pull up. Aaron go- is saying most are hirelings. By the way, Aaron's been pretty much the only one here the whole time. <laughs> well, that's that's fine. Glad you're Glad here, Aaron. Indeed. Carol, I see you're there too. Why How come I'm not seeing you? Am I not following you? Hmm, that's weird. I am following you, but it's you're not showing as a as a dot. There you are. Okay. Well, one example, Galatians six. Galatians chapter six. There's one. Brethren, if any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Um, that we're to do so in a spirit of gentleness. Um, you know what? I I think... It's okay. You came in late. We know, still love you. Hey, brother, sister, are he, I heard you saying this, or, you know, this is what you said. Is this... What I heard you say is... Um, you know, what I heard you say is this, is, is that right? You know, make sure you've given an opportunity that maybe you misheard what they said. And then if you heard them right, they're saying something biblical. It's like, well, uh, you know, I've. So Aaron said, um, it's only gentleness that brought me back into God truly. Yeah. And it's, you Mm -hmm. know, um. I'm I'm really concerned about that, you because know, because of the you, abuse man, I've endured and seen. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm really concerned about that. What what you're saying there, because um, there's there's no biblical basis for that, and I'm genuinely concerned. And only do it if you're genuinely concerned. You ought to be genuinely concerned. Genuinely concerned that this is going to take you off off the path. This is going to lead you astray. And let and you ought to be prepared to just not say that just doesn't feel right. Right. You ought to you ought to be prepared to say, here's why this is this is what the scripture says. This is what the Bible says. You're saying this, and that doesn't have a biblical basis. This is what the Bible says about that. And okay, I'm, wait a minute. Okay, I'm gonna play. Not, not I'm in gonna. A, I'm again, gonna, not in a. I'm gonna play the devil's not in advocate. Judgmental. Though. Okay, so what if somebody then says, "Well, you know what? So many people interpret that verse different. So you know, it's your interpretation of it, and um, so I believe my way. You can believe your way. Just so you know. What do you do then? Well, I don't know what thing we're talking about. Well, let's say um, homosexuality. Jesus never condemned homosexuality, so why are you such a hateful, 
horrible, rotten bigot, bareface. I would say it's true that Jesus never mentioned homosexuality, but he held up what God's standard is in Matthew chapter 18. They said that God, you know, have you not read that there was an issue concerning uh, human relationships, human sexual relationships. It had to do with the issue of divorce and whether it was allowable. And God said, have you not read that in the beginning God made the male and female and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave his wife. The two shall become flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let met, lot, not let not man separate. Uh, have the old King James going there, let man put us under. Um, that, that what Jesus held up as the standard for human relationships, what God designed from the beginning, and when when in his day people were trying to make it into something else that the God's design for human sexuality is one man, one woman, as long as they both shall live. And going back to the Old Testament, um, which shows us our sinfulness, you know, shows us, speaks out against homosexual relationships, and in Romans chapter 1 speaks of homosexual relationships as unnatural, uh, leaving what, uh, you know, natural bodily functions of, of male and female. And we have a book, we have a book called the Song of Solomon, which is all committed to heterosexual love. And we see nowhere in scripture instructions for homosexual relationships um, from the standard the standard all the way through from Genesis to Revelation Genesis that begins with the creation of man and woman male and female created them in the image of God and as Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter 18 the standard all the way to Revelation which ends in a marriage feast a wedding feast is the picture of a male bride and the feminine, or the male bridegroom and the feminine bride, which is his church, but it's that. And Paul brings that out in Ephesians chapter 5, how the relationship of husband and wife, man and woman, is a, is a picture of Christ and the church. Uh, that you can search the scripture from front to back, top to bottom, inside out and you'll never find an affirmation or instruction for homosexual relationships other than a condemnation of them whereas we find um whereas we find instructions for the use of alcohol paul says you know that that to Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. In Proverbs 30, we read about giving, you know, wine to those who are uh, in pain or discouraged. And um, But it also tells us not to be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. You know, we have those two sides of things. So when it comes to, to human sexual relationships, we're only given one standard 
in the affirmation of male and female, and we're given a condemnation of things that are outside of that, whether it be um, whether it be fornication, uh, sexual relations outside of matrimony, or be it homosexuality, which is outside of matrimony because it's not holy matrimony, man and woman. So, you know, we need to take the whole counsel of God. It's not just, uh, we can't just say, oh, that's one, your interpretation of a single verse, <laughs> or certainly the absence of something, since Jesus didn't specifically condemn homosexuality, then it must be okay. Uh, Jesus didn't specifically uh, condemn drinking and driving either. Uh, Jesus didn't specifically condemn, you know, shooting up heroin. So the absence of something should bear a license to affirm it and celebrate it? I think not. That's an unbiblical stance. To take something that's because it's not specifically mentioned in a specific context and use that as a basis for our behavior. That's unbiblical because it's not in the Bible. A long answer, but... Yeah, it was okay. All right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I know I know people they some people would even look at that answer though and go, "You don't know what you're talking about because I was born this way." And so this is about my feelings, who cares? God's word is filled with lots of errors, and so you're full of mm -hmm. you know what. Well, um, which errors, I would ask. Um what errors do you believe there are in the Bible? Jonathan and David were a homosexual couple, and so were Ruth and Naomi. And just so based you know. upon based upon what it says in the Bible. What does it say? Just what it says. I know what it says. I know what it says. Do you know what it says? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we could look, I read it before. Maybe we could look at it together. You're just reading it wrong. Maybe we could look at that together and see what it says. See how good he is, people. No, they weren't. They weren't Aaron. No, I'm just using them as an example because this is what some people will say to you. Um, and it's, uh, you know, yeah, no, it's not in there. But anyway, so, so that is, so the book of Jude is really, really vital um, because he's writing to, pe <clears throat> to people who should know better. And just the whole idea that people crept in unnoticed, you know, I think one of the key words there is that one of the, I, I'm trying to remember who it was that taught it a long time ago, but it's, it's the idea of, of kind of sneaking in the back way into the mm -hmm. church and just kind of sitting in there, they're unnoticed, but then they suddenly just, they suddenly begin to sow discord. Yeah, just a little, mm -hmm. little twist at a time, just keep turning up the heat a little bit. Little, little little twist in it, little, and then that's just nothing new under the sun. Again, going back to Genesis chapter 3, you know, the, the serpent was more crafty, was more subtle than any of the beasts. And he said to the woman, Hath God said, Thou shalt not eat of every tree in the garden? Right. It's like, well, mm, yes and no. no. It's, not, it's not a total falsehood. But it's not totally true either. 
So Aaron, you said something. I'm going to address this. So Aaron says, I think we should take the Bible for what it says. Homosexuality is a sin, not greater than any. The difference is choosing to walk in it. I actually disagree with you a little bit on that. Um, and the, the reason I disagree is because I do think it's a greater sin. I think that there's more egregious sin than other sin. I think the consequences of that sin is greater than other sin. I don't think all sin is created equal. I think God does condemn certain sins more than he does. I think he punishes, I should say, more. I think he punishes this sin to a a greater degree than he does, let's say, other sins. There's a sin leading to death. I think homosexuality is one of those. Um, The Levitical law in the book of Leviticus actually lays out the consequences to certain sins. And death and homosexuality was punishable by death in the Old Testament. Right. Not not every transgression in the 613 commandments were capital offenses, just a few, and that's one of them. Sexual sin, whether bestiality or homosexuality, those were... Yeah, I think sexual sin is is the worst because you're actually sinning against your own body. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I would also say, um, you know, how do you say this? Gluttony, as an example. I think gluttony is also sinning against your own body. Um, and I think you reap the consequences of of that, that as well. I think the problem with today, and this is why I think this book is so important for today, is because you have you have the homosexual lobby politicizing something God calls an abomination. It's very clear. Um, and it really has crept into the church. Do you know that homosexuality is actually accepted in the Southern Baptist Church in certain branches of it? Um, homosexuality is, um, you know, um, de- has divided like denominations. Of course, we can get on a whole debate about the whole that idea should tell of, you something. of denominations right there. And you're right. The, the Bible does says the wages of Actually, it doesn't say the wages of all sin is death. It says the wages of sin is death. But I understand what you're saying, and I do understand what you're saying. Um, but anyway, that's just a thing. But but anyway, I do think the consequences to that sin, um, I think homosexuality has become normalized all over the world. It's not just some places. Uh, but anyway... That was just used for illustrative purposes, people. Yeah, it was. Okay, how late do you want to go, Randall? Um, I think for now we're pretty good. It's eight ten. That was really good. So, do you, are you going to continue studying? How would you like Randall to keep teaching through the Book of Jude? Because I'm going to be teaching it too, but in a different context and setting. Um, I I love this book. I think you should. Okay. Yeah, I do. My eyes are really bugging me. You know, my eyes are, are sore. They're sore from my beautiful glasses, which are which I'm now seeing pretty good in, except for the fact that I'm not used to the frames yet. You know, it is okay, so Aaron says yes. So yeah, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna 
we're going to keep studying this book together, people. Um, if you want to join me on Tuesday, every other Tuesday, I'll be teaching it in Zoom. I think some of you have joined me already. Uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. And uh, I'm going to be going into kind of like compare and contrasting into today as well. You know, like I'm going to call out some of the false teachers. I, I will show you some of these people. I think personally, we have never seen, um, I think, how do I say this? I think we are now, I think we've been in for the, gosh, for the last 20 years, I have seen a, um, a very gradual, slow creep declined in church. Yeah, Car uh, Carol, I will be sending out an email probably tomorrow. And then Tuesday, I'll be sending a link out when it starts uh, to it. Because I try to I try to provide notes, you know, ahead of time when I do a study, I take time to type up notes and stuff. So I'm just not done with my notes yet. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, over the last couple of decades, it's it's really, really gotten bad, you know. I mean, I think that, uh, I and I'm going to address this on my program coming up, I don't know when, in a couple of weeks. Um, the idea of the New Age movement, the law of attraction, uh, all of that stuff is so prevalent in the church today, uh, and it's completely unbiblical. Um, people actually believe they can speak into existence things. I'm sorry, only God can do that. Um, you know, people believe that, you know, there's, you know, if you declare stuff, it's going to happen. There's nowhere, nowhere in the word of God that you, you can show me that it says to do that. There's nowhere it says, I declare, you know, people treat Satan as if, you know, he's some toy that he can be played with like a cat and a mouse. You guys, Satan is more crafty than anybody that's ever lived. He's more deceitful. And, um, you know, it, it's really prevalent. And I just say this because I'm in, I'm in direct sales and there is a huge, oh gosh, there is a huge issue within the direct sales industry some people actually would say the direct sales industry is kind of cultish, and I agree in a way it kind of is um, because of the whole hierarchy of stuff and the emphasis on personal development and blah, blah, and trying to reach goals, blah, blah, and all, all that. And some of these things in itself is not a bad thing, but you would not believe the ideas that I am exposed to daily uh, talking to people who believe these things in order to help reach their goals. Completely unbiblical, um, not Christ honoring. You never hear people honoring Jesus who do that. Uh, in fact, I am going to have a guest come on and we're going to talk about this. Actually, he knows I disagree with him on it. Um, this is something he wholeheartedly believes in. I, com I completely disagree with it. He knows that, but he's willing to come on the show and talk about it. Uh, he used the scripture completely wrong takes it out of context to make it say one thing to him when in context it would mean something completely different. That's why reading the Bible in context is so important. And that's why I try to do what I do to help because, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, vision boards, um, the entogram thing. I don't know if I'm saying that right. That thing, 
all has its root. I don't know about the vision boards, if they have their roots in the new age occultic stuff, but the Entergram thing does. Um, I would actually encourage you to go to YouTube. Even though you can't hear current, you know, current shows of me on YouTube because I'm banned. Um, I would encourage you to go to YouTube. Look up Doreen Virtue. D-O-R-E-E-N. And then Virtue is her last name. Look up Doreen Virtue. Doreen Virtue was the number one New Age Law of Attraction best-selling angel tarot card reader person that Hay House, which is a New Age publisher, ever, ever had. And she got saved. She got radically saved. I'm actually trying to get her on the show. I haven't, she hasn't, re, she hasn't, um, she hasn't responded to my, to my invite yet, but I'm trying to get her on my show, you know, and I do have some concerns about Doreen too. I'm just going to be honest. I think that she's kind of in a, um, a legalistic group of believers, which I happen to know who they are. Uh, but I do think that she has really received the Lord. And so I think that um, if you if you want to see somebody's testimony who's who's who the Lord got out of the new age and all that stuff, um, you know, there's definite fruit in keeping with repentance because you need that uh, with this woman. But she is still a babe in the Lord. And so that is something that's of concern to me because she's now very prominent, especially on YouTube. Um, so... Um, you know, and then, and and there are others too. So it's, uh, you know, here, here's the, this, here's what I would say. I would say, as my husband always says, make much of Christ. If you cannot say the name of Jesus Christ and give him glory and the respect and honor that Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah, is due. And if you're around people who cringe when they hear the name of Jesus Christ, when you use it in context, that should tell you something. If somebody has a belief system where Jesus Christ is minimized and not honored at all, then you know that person isn't in a relationship with Christ. You know, uh, the new age teaches Christ consciousness and things like that, which are completely unbiblical, has nothing to do with God's word in context. And these are some of the, the, to use the word Janet Parshall would say, hellish ideas that are out there, you know, because here's the truth, right? The truth is pride. We're all, we all have pride, right? You know, that saying pride goes before the fall. Well, yeah, it did. Uh, the angelic, you know, worship leader, Satan, that was his number one sin. And you don't hear pride preached on or preached against very, very often. Um, you know, in the book of Philippians chapter two, it says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. I can tell you, I have people I pray for daily, or, you know, I, at least I, I talk to daily, I listen to daily and they're in the new age. They believe in crystals. They believe in the power of, you know, all of this stuff. It's like the energy, the vibrations, you know. Um, <laughs> and I've even looked at some of the material these people read because I, I, I read. I'm not afraid of the alternate view because I know the Bible's true. So I can look at this stuff and go, 
hmm, yeah, that's wrong. You know, <laughs> you know, this is bad. Why is this people, why, why are people, let me ask you this, and I, I'm going on a mini discussion here, but why do you think people get suckered into that type of stuff or, you know, they be, they believe it or they get drawn into it? I'll tell you why I think it is, because I think at the, the heart of everybody, we're trying to feel significant and loved. Um, I don't think that God's love is showed very well, or they've been exposed to a toxic faith, to quote the title of a book by Steve Arterburn, who himself was actually a toxic believer. Ironically, I used to work for the guy. Um, but they, they've been exposed to a toxic faith, so they've never, they've never received the real Jesus because the representation of him has been completely unbiblical. Um, you know, unfortunately, Oprah Winfrey, the tragedy that she is, she is a complete tragic person. She was raised in the Baptist church and she unfortunately has strayed from her roots. The biblical roots she was raised in, she has strayed from. Um, why only God knows for real, but, um, the stuff that she thinks, you know, Tony Robbins, all these gurus, you know, honestly believe that they, they're all that, I guess. And it's just, it's like, you know what? Pride, man, pride goes before the fall. One day you're all going to answer the God, whether or not you believe in him or not, or you think he's this, or he's that he's accepting about everybody and every sin under the sun, and blah, blah, blah. God, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. That is never, that's actually nowhere in scripture, by the way. <laughs> in fact, there are passages in scripture where God says he hates people. I know it's a scary thing to say, but it's true. Um, anyway, so, but I will be doing a show on that, um, you know, and hopefully discussing some ideas in a loving way, because the ultimate thing with, with being a Christian is, you know, Christian, if you're a Christian, you're a little Christ, you, you are a little Christ. You are, you're supposed to be following him, not, you know, your own way. You're supposed to be exalting him, not yourself. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, Paul said to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yeah. He didn't say for me to live is to be a Christian or to follow a good path or do good things or to says for me to live is Christ. That was his identity. One of the things Doreen Virtue actually said in her one of her testimonial videos is that she said a lot of times she said people would tell her to read the Bible and she said one thing that she regrets is that she didn't read the Bible all of it. You know, because all the questions were that that are thrown thrown at believers, like, you know, if God's so loving, then why did He destroy the world? Well, that's easy to answer, actually. You know, um, you know. Anyway, and so that's why, again, I just want to encourage you, and I know most of you who are already in here, you know, is to take the time to be in God's Word. You know, I remember when I was a young believer; it was like yesterday. Um, I remember driving my youth coach nuts because I kept, I was reading God's word two or three hours a day and I was just getting so much stuff and I was asking him 5 million questions to my 
to my youth coach who was like 10 years older than me, who was raised in the church, who couldn't answer my questions. So she would come back to me and say, oh, just keep asking God and he'll show you answers. And I was like, okay. So I did. Right. I, turned on, I turned on Christian radio. I listened to people who, who uh, taught the defense of the faith and I learned about apologetics. That's why I'm not threatened by other ideas because if you know the real thing really well, then counterfeits are very easy to spot. Uh, so anyway, I, I could go on, but I should shut up now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you look at Periscope, there's a lot of false prophets on Periscope, just as an example. Um, and I'm, <clears throat> as we continue, I'm, <laughs> okay. if Lord Blazes continue, I will bring that up about the, about the gift of prophecy versus the office of prophet. Yeah, Different um, things. I mean, I actually recently talked to somebody's pastor who I called up because they're stalking me. And that pastor, at the end of my conversation with them, was trying to tell me that I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit because I don't speak with the gift of tongues. And I was like, okay, well, you can believe that if you'd like, but I know I'm actually filled with the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues is a gift to certain believers, not all believers. It doesn't say that. And, you know, I could tell he was irritated, but I'm like, you know, you're not going to argue with me on this. That's not why I called you. <laughs> If you want to debate on tongues, then we could do that later. But not, right now, yeah. we're not going to. Let's read First Corinthians chapter 14 right. together. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Right, you're going to close this out? Sure. Okay, people. So get into my Daily Disciples group, which is in Facebook. If you need help finding it, just message me. And um, someone has told me that before, too, but it's not true. I know. It's totally not true. Um, but anyway. So get them, um, so anyway, if you want to reach out to me, just let me know. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. I hope you got something out of the show. Would love your feedback. Uh, remember, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because He loves you. Yeah, He does.